Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi guys, and welcome to this bonus episode of the Food and Psych podcast. Now, I was going to keep out of the Kim Kardashian lollipop situation because, really, others have said most of what I would want to say about it more eloquently or more persuasively than I could. But there were a couple of factors about this whole thing that have been bothering me, so I thought I would jump on here real quick, say a couple of things, and then let you get on with your day. In case you've missed it, a couple of days ago, Kim Kardashian posted an advertisement on her Instagram account endorsing an apparently appetite-suppressing lollipop to her, at that point, 111 million Instagram followers. Her caption under the photo said that the lollipops were literally unreal. And as I'll describe in a moment, that comment couldn't be more true. The major concern and complaint about the endorsement is the impact that the promotion of this kind of diet product might have on her followers. Kim Kardashian is hugely admired and her looks, body and lifestyle are aspirational for hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of young women around the world. People literally take images of her face or her body into aesthetic clinicians and cosmetic surgeons and ask to look more like her. And she's just received the first ever influencer award from the Council of Fashion Designers of America in recognition of her huge influence on fashion globally. And as we all know, with great power comes great responsibility. The criticism has been that Kim has not respected that responsibility, that for the sake of money, she is endorsing a product that plays on physical insecurities. And of course, people are allowed to make money. But when you get to a certain level of power or influence, I would suggest the impact of your endorsement on the people who trust and follow you has to be weighed up against what you stand to gain from it personally. Otherwise, it's exploitation. But that's not the only thing that's troubling me about this. I was also really curious about the scientific claims being made. The supposedly appetite-suppressing ingredient in these lollipops is a patented saffron extract called Cetarial. I think that's how you pronounce it, I'm not really sure. And it's registered to a French company called Inorial Limited. Now their website states that their product is a natural, powerful weight loss agent with a spectacular appetite regulator effect. Now, these are big claims, and with serious claims comes serious evidence, or at least it should. A claim like this I would expect to be supported by a number of studies with at least a few hundred participants and an overall positive effect. But unfortunately, the company bases its claim on a single pilot trial of 60 people that was published in 2010. 
Now, a pilot trial is a way of testing something on a small group to see whether it's worth trying it later on a bigger sample. Because basically, clinical trials are really expensive to conduct, so you generally want to know that something is at least likely to work before pouring lots of money into it. After a successful pilot, especially of a diet product, you would expect a large number of follow-up trials. But there's been nothing else for eight years. So then you have to think, if this study was so good, if it was so convincing, why was it not followed up? We're frequently being told that we're in the middle of an obesity epidemic. If we had discovered a safe extract that could effectively, safely and powerfully suppress appetite, why haven't the health authorities jumped all over it? If this product is so good, why isn't it on prescription for people diagnosed with metabolic disorders, for example? And if it's so good, why do they put it in a lollipop and not a pill? So, of course, I had to read the paper. And when you're reading a report, often a good place to start is with the statement of conflicts. And this is a section where the researchers have to acknowledge whether there are any conflicts of interests with the research. Because if the researchers have some sort of investment in a particular outcome, then that could bias the results or the reporting of them. In this paper, the researchers say, this research was funded by Inorial, the supplier of the extract. So this study, on which the company makes the claim about the effectiveness of the product, was funded by the company itself. Now, research being funded by a company that will profit from positive results doesn't automatically discredit the results, but it should certainly make you scrutinise them very, very carefully. The authors also say that the company did not contribute to the reporting of the results or the preparation of the manuscript. And what's really interesting about this statement is what is not said. But to understand what I mean, you have to know a little bit about the way that studies are developed. So when starting a piece of research, researchers will always begin with a question. So in this case, it might be, does saffron extract suppress appetite in humans? And technically, that should be posed as a statement to be refuted because the scientific method is to assume that something does not work or is not true until you can demonstrate otherwise. So in this case, it would be something like, saffron extract does not suppress appetite in humans. After you have your research question, you can get on with designing the study. And you have to think very carefully about how you choose who to test a product on, how they'll be selected, what you'll tell them about the trial, and so on. And this has to be done really carefully because expectations about the outcome can affect the results in many ways. So when the authors say that the company did not contribute to the reporting of the results or the preparation of the manuscript, the physical paper, it makes me question how much influence they had over the design of the study in the first place. It is possible to design research in such a way as to increase the likelihood of getting the results that you want. And what's also common is for companies with an investment in an outcome to fund several trials and then only publish the positive ones that support their needs. One of the ways to reduce this kind of manipulation is to register your trial. And that basically means telling someone what you're going to do before you do it so they can check your research question and your methodology in advance. In this paper, the authors state that they did register their study protocol with the EU Clinical Trials Register. However, as you can see from the attached images, when I searched the register under the number they provided, and then again under the name of the extract and the name of the company, I couldn't find it. Now, I don't know what this means, and I'm completely happy for anyone who can find it to let me know. But for the moment, it's just a little bit strange. What is also really interesting is the lack of replication. 
So again, in good science, you can't just rely on one result because essentially you can't be sure that it wasn't a fluke. So replication, hopefully by different research teams in different locations, showing the same result would give you more confidence that the result was due to the thing being tested and not chance or bias. This is why you have to raise an eyebrow that this apparently positive result was not followed up by any replication. Again, because if this extract was so effective, you would expect there to be a huge amount of interest in it. But there's nothing, no published research that I could find until 2018. And I'll get to the 2018 paper in a moment. First, I just want to have a quick look at this paper. My first issue is that the authors describe snacking as a disturbed dietary behaviour, which of course it's not. Excessive snacking, stress eating perhaps, but if I have a banana and a handful of nuts on the train so I'm not absolutely famished by the time I get home, I'm not partaking in a disturbed dietary behaviour. It's almost as if they're trying to pathologise normal eating. But anyway, as I mentioned earlier, the supposed active ingredient in these lollipops and what was tested in this paper was a patented extract of saffron. And of course, if a product is patented, it's because the company funding the research hopes to make money from it. Now, their actual research question is a bit complicated. There is some previous pilot evidence that saffron itself, so not this extract, can have an antidepressant effect in mildly depressed adults. Now, in this study, the researchers say, well, depression leads to snacking, snacking leads to weight gain, so improving mood will reduce snacking. But this logic isn't particularly clear, and of course, many people who are depressed lose their appetites altogether, so it's not that straightforward. (sighs) So, They say they want to see whether changes in snacking or satiety that come from taking the product could have an effect on mood, but they don't record any measures of mood. They don't ask about stress, depression or anxiety, which is odd because changes in mood could help support their claims. And the other thing is that, of course, this is not how the product is being marketed. They're not trying to address people's emotional concerns. They're just going after body image. And needless to say that there are other healthier, well-evidenced ways to improve your mood, such as connecting with people, going for a walk, doing some exercise, or perhaps, if you need it, trying therapy. But back to the paper. In this study, there was a two-week run-in period so that they could identify snackers. And they say that at least 50% of the cohort was selected for the presence of compulsive snacking. But wait... If you're testing snacking, shouldn't 100% of the participants be snackers? And it's also really important to be clear on what their definition of compulsive snacking is. So listen to this. In this study, compulsive snacking was defined as at least one snacking event per day. One snack. One. So if you had one snack yesterday, according to this paper, you are a compulsive snacker honestly? And were these compulsive snackers equally distributed between the two groups, the ones that got the active substance and the ones that got the placebo? We don't know. In terms of the results, the effectiveness of the supplement was based on two things, self-report of food intake and measured body weight. 
Now, self-report is basically asking people to tell you how much they ate, or in this case, how much snacking they did over two weeks. And it's a notoriously inaccurate way of assessing what someone actually ate, because A, it's really easy to forget what and how much you eat, and B, everyone wants to appear in a positive light, so people tend to distort what they actually consume when they're reporting it to other people. And in fact, in this study, the placebo group reported a 28% reduction in snacking. These were people who were not receiving any of the active substance. They just thought they were. So expectation plays a really important role in outcomes. And talking about expectations and staying on the theme of bias, at the end of this paper, the authors say that participants were told not to take any other weight loss products during the protocol. So does this mean that they had some knowledge that they were taking part in a weight loss study? Because that's the kind of knowledge, that's exactly the kind of thing that could change your behaviour and affect the results. Also, the researchers didn't measure blood levels of the compound, which would be a really good way of showing that the participants did actually take the supplement, because sometimes people get bored or they get forgetful, and it would have shown that it was present in high enough levels in the blood to make a difference. However, the researchers didn't record this, so presumably we'll never know. But it doesn't stop there. There's another weird thing happening. The article says, and I quote, Enrolled subjects received either active satirial or an indistinguishable placebo formula taking one capsule for breakfast and one for dinner. Now hold on. One capsule for breakfast and one for dinner... Now, do they mean with, or are they saying that the participants in this study replaced two of their daily meals with a tablet because, you know, drastically changing your calorie intake might have an effect on the results and might be a more significant factor than the effect of the supplement, right? Okay, so body weight. Let's have a look. The participants took the supplement or the placebo for eight weeks altogether and they were tested every two weeks. So that's when they gave their feedback on what they'd eaten. At the end of those two months, the participants in the placebo group saw no real change in their body weight. They lost about 100 grams, but, you know, that's basically nothing in terms of of a clinical trial. And the supplement group, well, they lost 900 grams, so less than a kilo in two months So sure, technically, this is a significant, in terms of statistics, difference, but it's not the kind of outcome that I would call powerful or spectacular, or that would justify spending £30 on a packet of lollipops. Also, because it was tested on such a small group, remember this was a pilot trial, those results could easily be affected by one or two people losing quite a bit of weight in that time. And this is why replication is so important, as it would give us a much clearer understanding of what's causing these differences. But what about that 2018 study? Well, exactly. Let's have a look at that one. This one is slightly different because it looks at a combined supplement that includes Ceteriol, along with bitter orange extract and vitamin D, which these authors speculate could help regulate appetite. Now, this second one was a better design study, and they also assessed mood factors. 
the participants in this second trial were taking twice as much soteriol as the ones in the first study. So not ignoring that this was a slightly different product, but if the results of the first study were powerful and spectacular, we might expect that the results in the second study would be off the charts. So I'll read out the conclusions from the abstract. No significant differences were noted between groups for total calorie or macronutrient intake. And macronutrients are protein, carbohydrates, and fat. No difference in body mass or weight circumference measures. In addition, no significant differences between groups were observed for mood states, subjective measures of food cravings, or feelings of anxiety, fullness, bloating, hunger, craving, and stress. In conclusion, 28 days of a dietary supplement containing soteriol, naranginin and vitamin D3 did not have any detectable beneficial effects on weight management. Unsurprisingly, the company that owns the patent hasn't linked this article to their website. And because diet aids are considered a supplement and not a food, these lollipops are not held to the same safety or efficacy standards as food or medication. So in conclusion, the only evidence we have about this compound is one small trial saying it makes a tiny difference and another one saying it's completely ineffective. Yet we have brands developing products and paying influential celebrities to endorse them. Appetite isn't a matter of willpower. It is a deeply complex and highly evolved mechanism to keep you alive and ensure that you take in sufficient nutrients and energy for your brain and body to work optimally. If you believe that your snacking is causing you physical or emotional harm, then Kim Kardashian is not the authority you should be turning to and a lollipop is probably not the intervention you need. And of course, to be fair, I think we should have some compassion for Kim Kardashian. She is under some of the most intense media scrutiny of anyone in the world, and it's likely that she herself feels under pressure to look a certain way. She might even believe that some of the products that she endorses actually work. But this lollipop situation makes a broader point about how companies will misuse scientific research and misrepresent the power of effects for their own gain. I talk a lot about interventions being evidence-based because I care that people get the best information possible, but that isn't helped when companies use poorly conducted and possibly biased research and call it evidence. What's also really disappointing is that the company will know this. They will know that this is a weak piece of evidence for their product, but they don't care. And that's the point. They don't care whether this product will work for you. So you'll shell out £30 on lollipops or any of the other products that incorporate soteriol. And if, or should I say when, it doesn't give you the results you want or have been led to expect, you'll think that there's something about you that's the problem. Either there's something wrong with your body or your metabolism, or you just eat too much or you're out of control. And it won't occur to you that in actual fact, you've been misled about the effectiveness of the product. And that's what makes me so angry. This is pure exploitation. And what the companies don't see is the impact that these sorts of products and their marketing have on vulnerable people. They are actively tapping into people's insecurities to make money with a product that doesn't have the evidence to support its claims. As I've been recording this, I've had the webpage of the Lollipop Company open and the notifications show that they are getting a sale every 20 seconds from people across the world. 
So maybe they've achieved the result that they wanted. And if you're tempted to buy a product like this, whilst of course you're welcome to spend your money however you like, hopefully this episode helps you to at least make an informed decision about your purchase. That's all I have for now. I hope that that's been helpful for some of you. I will be back next week with a look at some new food products on the market and looking at what they say about our relationship with food. So I hope you'll tune in for that. Do press that subscribe button so you don't miss that episode. Until then, thank you very much for listening and I wish you the very best of health. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.